All right, good morning. I hope that you are, during this time frame, I hope that you are spiritually blessed and I hope that you are physically blessed. Today, uh, I want to talk to you about unity. And I hope you like the slide. I, I don't know. I thought this was a really neat slide. Um, you know, you see all these different hands forming a circle, and we know that a circle really never never ends, never really ends. It keeps going. Um, and we have the word Christ right in the middle, and that is what I want us to consider today. I want us to consider a Christ-centered unity. And I think it's important to talk about unity um, Especially at this point in time, because we haven't seen each other in, you know, in person. We haven't been together for a few weeks now. And one of the things that I did was I looked up the definition of unity. And the definition of unity, um, one of the definitions that I found was the state of being united or joined as a whole. And when I began to think about that, I began to think that, you know, whenever I think about being joined as, as a whole at least myself, I tend to think about us being together. Um, I, I, I've always kind of looked at church as a family, my church family. And, I, you know, the, this idea of coming together on the first day of the week, breaking bread together, you know, these are things that we have said or stated over the years. And so when I think about unity, I, I tend to think about unity as being together really physically. Um, I don't necessarily think that has to be the, the, the full definition of unity, and we'll talk about that in, in the process of this sermon. But I think historically, at least for Tim Day, that's kind of, kind of what I think. I think about being together. Um, but as I think about unity, really, number one, I don't think we all have to be together in the same place. I, I, think, um, you know, I think if you're sitting on your couch right now and you're still in your jammies, um, we're together when we're doing something at the same time um, or when we're doing something that we are like-minded uh, about, I think we still have or can still have a sense of unity from that. Um, and, and I think that sometimes we also kind of think unity means that we have to agree on, on every single item. And that, I don't think that's the case at all. Um, I think that there are going to be items of preference um, that we're all going to have. So I don't think that unity needs to be we agree on every single item or we all have the same outlook or we all have the same preferences. I think that unity is Christ-centered. I think that unity is being unified in spirit and in truth. And as we continue to go on through these next several weeks, I want to pay real attention to unity today because I think it's going to be something that's going to be very, very important for us to consider, especially going forward or especially when the time frame finally comes that I'm looking forward to personally and we all get to come back together again physically in one place. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank You, Lord, for today, and I thank You for my church family. And I would ask that You would bless our church family no matter where they may be. I would ask that You would bless the church as a whole worldwide. 
Because we know, Heavenly Father, that the church is the people and not the building. But Heavenly Father, we are very used to, many of us are very used to every Sunday meeting in the house of the Lord. We're very used to taking communion together, to singing songs, to to being together physically. And Heavenly Father, we know that in in the true sense of unity that it is really a spiritual item. It is, it, is a, it is something that is in our minds and in our hearts. And so, Heavenly Father, we know that we can still be unified regardless of whether or not we're in the same physical setting. But, Heavenly Father, we also look forward to the day to where we can all get back together again. But in the meantime, Lord... I want us to consider what it means to be unified. I want us to consider what we can do to promote unity, what we can do to stay together, what we can do to allow. Because, I, because Heavenly Father, I've always believed that a big aspect of unity is edification. The ability to lift one another up, the ability to edify one another, to exhort one another. Heavenly Father, I've always believed that that's a big part of what we do when we come together. And Heavenly Father, it is my prayer that we can still do that in some way. And it may be a new way, or there might, be, there might be a slight twist to it. It might be doing something differently than what we've done in the past, but that we would be open-minded to that, that we would be willing to participate in that, that we would place a true priority on unity. Heavenly Father, we are unified in You. We are unified in Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus. It is in our Messiah that we take refuge and we take hope and we take strength and we take solace. And Heavenly Father, I would just pray that we would be unified in Christ. We thank You, Lord, and we love You. And all God's people said, Amen. Alright, I want to share a passage with you. And it comes from Galatians chapter 3. And it says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And I think it would be noteworthy to note that this Galatians would have been a letter written by the Apostle Paul. I think it would be noteworthy to tell you that Paul was the minister to the Gentiles. I think it would be noteworthy to say that Gentile was someone who was not Jewish. And I think it would be noteworthy to say that Paul is telling us that there is no differentiation in the body of Christ For the body of Christ is one in Christ Jesus. I think Paul thought it was important enough to continually reiterate this to the early church. And we model ourselves after the early church and consider ourselves to be a New Testament church then I believe it is prudent for us also to consider that all of us are unified in Christ Jesus. And i got to tell you, it's been kind of different. I really, I thoroughly enjoyed last week's Easter sermon, being outside and being outside and sharing that time with Daniel. I'm preaching to empty pews right now, with the exception of Daniel, who's sitting right over here. But if I, if I look out here, I see you. 
Because it's funny, everybody stakes out their spot. Reminds me of the time Tristan was a little girl and we walked into church and there was somebody sitting in our pew and she loudly exclaimed, Dad, who's sitting in our pew? I look out here and I see you. I want to share another passage with you. It comes from 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. I'm not really going to concentrate today on difference of opinion. We could use this passage to kind of discuss that, but that's not really my focus today. My focus is not really on whether we always agree or disagree. My focus today is in this time where we are separated from one another. And you know, the comment that I made earlier when I said, if I look out here and I can see you, close your eyes for just a minute and, and envision from your seat the people around you. I hope that you're kind of missing that. I want to focus today on this on, on unity. I, I want to focus today on the idea about being unified in Christ, regardless of whether we have physical separation. I'm going to tell you that I hope that this calamity that has come upon us, I hope when it's all said and done, it actually gives us clarity of vision. You know, Gene Souders and I were communicating just a little bit the other day via text, and that's something I'm going to mention in this sermon as well. We can still communicate with one another. But I think she stated it well when she said basically that hopefully this, this separation will create a hunger within us. A hunger. We, we're going to want to come back together. We're going, maybe it will even give us a heightened sense of appreciation for the assembling of the saints together in a holy convocation. Because that's what when we get together, that's what it is. Right now, I believe God still looks at the way we're doing things. And as we're watching this today, and as we're participating together, I still believe God um, looks at this as a holy convocation. And I also believe that when Jesus told His disciples, where two or three of you are gathered, there I am in the midst of you also, every single one of us are God's disciples. God is in our midst, even when we're in our homes watching a digital version. Now you guys know by now, you know that I'm a solid believer in something called hermeneutics, and I'm not going to preach about that, but you know that in hermeneutics, one of the ways to interpret the Bible is to look at the social and historical context in which something was written. Well, what I want to point out to you today is that the writers of the New Testament, in particular Paul, who was the minister to the Gentiles, he was trying to unify people, he always made it a big deal to talk about unity. Why? 
Because in this particular social setting, in the early church, and you know, I read an article the other day that suggested that Christians over the years, as far as persecution goes, that it would kind of that it would kind of ebb and flow, ebb and flow. Well, I think it's safe to say without getting into a big dissertation, I think it's pretty safe to say that the, that the disciples in the early church faced persecution. When we believe that the majority of the, of the disciples were martyred for their belief and their work, when the Apostle Paul writes some of his letters from prison, then I think it's safe to say that early church disciples faced great odds and obstacles, and they were worried about unity because they knew that not only were they facing those items, but the people who were embracing this new way of life, this newness of spiritual life, they were also facing those same problems. They were facing prohibitives to unity at that time. One of the prohibitives they were facing was fear. Now, their fear wasn't necessarily the fear of a virus and the fear of an infection or the fear of their health, but probably their health from a danger standpoint. Here we are in this time frame, and many people have been worried about potential effects on their life. I guarantee you that people in the early church setting were worried about potential effects to their life. The apostles recognized that. And they placed a premium on being unified in Jesus Christ. So in a sense, we're kind of going back to a similar trait. They faced uncertainty. And when I say they faced uncertainty, how were they going to be perceived by religious leaders? How were they going to be perceived by the Roman occupation? How were they going to be perceived? You know, all you got to do is go into Acts, and when Paul told the people that silver shrines were no gods at all, and they ran him out of town... How were they going to be perceived when they delivered this new message about Jesus Christ? When they told people that, that, that idols were no gods at all? Well, honestly, the silversmiths in that town wanted to kill Paul. There is uncertainty at this time as well, and the uncertainty is what's going to happen? Because the reality is, and I know you hear me say that, and maybe I say it too much, but here it is. We've not peaked yet. And from what I'm reading, and we don't know what the future is going to hold. We don't know how many weeks we're going to be doing this. And, 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 and you know, I know that I'm, that's a serious statement, but in the middle of that serious statement, I want to pour out some accolades. And I want to pour out accolades on Daniel Lee. And I want you to send him a text. I want you to give him a call. I want you to give him a digital pat on the back. Because... He's doing a heck of a job. Because of His efforts, we are able to worship together in spirit and in truth. And I hope that God gives Him an extra jewel in His crown for that. And I mean that sincerely. Jamie says, if I get a jewel, I'll have one. Alright? Alright. 
The number three item that you look right here, and I'm going to move a little quicker, but the, 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 uh, another prohibitive to unity at that particular point in time was that they were invested. What do you mean? Well, they had a shallow root. We all know the parable of the plant, the plant that had the shallow root. The, the plant that had the shallow root could not survive. The Apostle Paul was writing letters to fledgling churches, to people who were recent converts, Maybe there were some people that weren't super um, vested. Maybe there were some people who didn't have a firm root. Maybe in the Mitchell Church of Christ, maybe in the churches all around the nation, we may have some people that are not as vested as we would hope that they would be. I hope that you, I hope that you are seriously vested. I hope that you have a strong root. I hope that you're not skipping out on services. I hope that you're not, you know, for, forgetting or neglecting your spiritual well-being. You know, I would hope that you would understand in the context of this sermon that as ministers, not perfect men, men who love the Lord, I would hope that you would appreciate our concern for everyone in the flock that you are vested and that you remain vested. And lastly, what happened? What would happen, Paul probably wondered. What would happen if something happens to me, if something happens to the leaders in this particular fledgling congregation, and all of a sudden people are not meeting like they were, and you know good and darn well that at that particular time they would not have been live streaming, they would not have been a digital format, they wouldn't have been recording and putting it online so that you could watch it later in the comfort of your rocking chair. At that point in time, if, the, if you forsook the assembly, then you forsook the assembly and you were not meeting together. And the Apostle Paul was obviously worried about that, as were the other disciples, because they realized that forsaking the assembly would not be a good thing to the continued spiritual growth of those fledgling churches. It appears to me that many of the concerns that the early church would have faced would be the same concerns that we would be facing today in the face of, of these times where it may not be unprecedented in terms of the virus and in terms of the disease. We've had that with the Spanish influenza. But what is unprecedented is staying home, social distancing. I never heard the term social distancing applied so many times until the last few weeks. My concern is unity during this time. My concern is the same concern that the Apostle Paul had, except I'm looking at it in a different venue, in a different social construct, and in a different time. But my concern is the same. My concern moving forward is, and I know you've heard this expression, but the expression is the new normal. Well, what does that mean? What is the new normal? I don't know. Is it going to be online services? Is it going to be streaming? Is it going to be, what is the new normal going to become? Will this somehow have some influence on the way we conduct business in the future? I can't imagine that it won't. And perhaps, perhaps in a few months we'll all be back together, things will be back to normal, and, it will, and it'll be a little blip on the radar. Maybe not. What is the new normal going to be? 
How are we going to embrace that? How are we going to manipulate that new normal to make it something that meets our spiritual needs so that we may maintain unity? I think we need to think about that. I don't know if he said it or not, but when I read it, I thought, man, that is a really neat statement. Supposedly, Abraham Lincoln said, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on my side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. For God is always right. Listen, my concern at this particular point in time is not that God is not in control. It's not that God is not on our side. God is on our side. My concern right now in the absence of being able to worship with you, my concern is, am I on God's side? For God is always right. I want to read you something. It comes from Hebrews chapter 10, and this will be the, uh, the only one that I'll read to you today. And by the way, a little, little shout out here. Um, I've got this really nice new Bible that was given to me as a gift from David Fields. I, I, I found it on my desk the other day. David noticed that the pages were falling out of my Bible. And you know what? David even bought me a large print Bible. I can read it without taking my glasses off. So here we go. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, His body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings." having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. Okay, now this is what I really want you to hear. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting, Together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We do not want to give up meeting together. At this particular point in time, and you know when I've heard some discussion, and I'm just going to throw this in, and this is my two cents worth, so it's just my opinion. Okay? I've heard some discussion. I know there are some that, that, that probably said we should still be meeting. There are some that have said the government can't tell us what we can or can't do. Okay, God also gave us some modicum of common sense. And if we can help one another by social distancing for a while, then it seems to me that prudent knowledge is a gift from God. And if we can help one another by doing things a little bit differently for a while, then I think it behooves us to probably do that and to look out for the best interests of others because that's what the Bible says we should do. Look out for the best interests of others. But as we're looking out for the best interests of others, we do not want to neglect the meeting together. We do not want to neglect our spiritual health. We do not want to neglect the body. We do not want to neglect the unity that we have in Jesus Christ together. So what's next? 
I don't know. I can tell you this. I do not believe there's a certain time frame. I think, I, 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 don't, I think you can throw out numbers. I think you can do this. I think you can do that. But I believe the reality of this is, is that we really don't necessarily have a time frame. Uh, as to when things, you know, get back to normal and what normal is. And I mean, there's just a lot of uncertainty here. I think our focus, and this is me personally, but I think our focus needs to be right now. It needs to be, you know, on the here and now. And it, our focus needs to be, um, I think, on the notion that we may not be together as a body in this building for a while. I don't want that to be detrimental to our spiritual health. I don't want that to be detrimental to our unity as a body. I don't want that to be detrimental to our identity as the Mitchell Church of Christ. So what's next? Once again, well, here you go. I have some suggestions today. And... I think we should use this digital world to our advantage. And here's what I think we should do. I think, number one, we should continue to worship together online, obviously, like we're doing now. But I think we ought to be sharing this link with other people. And that's not so that we can, oh, you want to increase your viewership so you can be famous. No, I think we need to be, we can spread the word. You know, you could do a simple copy paste for a URL and a, a link. You could, you know, I don't know. I'm not a Facebook guy, but we could share this. We could share with other people. We can make sure that even the members of our own congregation know and that they are tuned in to what we are doing. But we need to use the resources that we have. And as we sit there and watch, and as we kind of consider in our mind the congregation, we can pray for one another. We can still be together in spirit and in truth. This is one mechanism, and it's a mechanism that Daniel's done a fantastic job with. What's another mechanism? Well, I'll tell you another mechanism. How, these have become just an ingrained part of our life. And, 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 and don't tell me that they haven't because they have. And, and it's even irrespective of age. I, older folks, younger folks, this has become part of the fabric of who we are. Text. Grab, I, and I'm going to challenge you, and, and, and I really hope that you'll do this. And many of you know that I have been do, trying to do this, but it can't just be me. It needs to be everybody. Send someone a text message. Send someone a text message maybe that you don't even talk to very much at church. I don't know. Pick, go to your directory. Open it up. Pick two or three people. Even if you just sent two or three, two or three, I'm thinking about you. I miss you. God bless you. Um, communicate. We can communicate. We can all send someone an encouraging text. I guarantee if we spend half the time... And I mean no disrespect, but if we spend half the time being encouraging that some folks spend on Facebook, think about what we could do. There are apps. 
And I'm not plugging for any one particular, but Jamie and I use this one. It's called the U version. You can download this app. You can you you can and, and 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 it's really neat because they have these little studies. And sometimes these little studies are only four or five days apiece. So you just go in and you pick one. But the really cool thing about it is you can share it with other people. The next thing you know, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. This is not something you have to try to lay out. You don't have to go try to find the verses. You pick the study. They join with you. And then you read through and you can make comments at the end. And that's how easy it is. And if you make a comment, it will send an email to the other people in the group and they can read your comment. You can do it anytime you want to. You can do it at your own leisure. You can do it when it fits into your schedule. And the next thing you know, you're not neglecting your spiritual health. And if you chose to do it with some members of the congregation, then you're also edifying and working with them as well. Or you know what you can do? You can just make, you can go old school. You can just make some good old-fashioned phone calls. And I'm going to make some good old-fashioned phone calls before I leave today. I'm going to go over here in a minute and help them unload food. And then I'm going to go to my office and I'm going to make some good old-fashioned phone calls to some people that I feel like probably don't text. We can all do this. Let's do this. In this moment of trial, how will we respond? Will we rise up? Will we put forth a little extra effort? Will we forsake the assembling of ourselves together and neglect our spiritual health? Or will we come through the tunnel stronger and more unified than what we were before? I think that is a distinct possibility. In closing... Well, I say in closing, I'm almost done. Once again, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We can do this, guys. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it in a digital sense. We can do it in a new world. We can do it under a new normal. We can do this together. Before we go, I want to remind you, God is in control. God is the author. God is the great I Am. And I want to say, God is good. And your answer? All the time. God bless you. Let's stay unified. Don't neglect your spiritual health. We love you, and we're looking forward to all getting back together again.